Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, good evening everybody. Good to see you all. Please open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. So as most of you know, I used to be a teacher uh, in a public school system for 44 years and Brian's up here singing and I see Lindsay's here tonight and uh, Another student that I had years ago, well, a few years ago, she's starting down in Georgia. So I just want to say a prayer for any of the young people that are leaving for college. I know that Pastor Joe did that about three or four weeks ago, but um, let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the young people that are here tonight or maybe listening online. And for those uh, like Brian, Lindsay, and ZPAC that are starting a new chapter of their lives, that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit on them, that they would be mightily used by you on uh, the new campus and their new uh, floor and their roommates and classmates. Just do a mighty work, Lord. We know you want to reach a lot of young people, so we can't wait to see what you do through these and other young people that are going back to college or starting college for the first time. We just pray you anoint them mightily. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Now that's awesome. So, the title of tonight's message is, Is There a Holy Spirit? And um, I called Pastor Joe about 5 o'clock. I had to pull over because I was taking notes and some of the questions that I was asking him. So rather than go through a, a large section of Chapter 19 of Acts, I've only picked seven verses, and if we have to do that in two parts, so be it, but we'll see how the Holy Spirit leads us. So what I'd like to do first is read verses 1 through 7, and then go back with a little background and and then jump into it. So chapter 19 of Acts, verses 1 to 7, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men we're about 12 in all. Dear Lord, I just pray that just as we see back in these days that they depended on your Holy Spirit to just open up your word, we do the same thing here tonight. 
that we're totally dependent on your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus and for your glory, Father. And we look forward to those things that you're going to do in each of our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke's Gospel, Luke is also the author of Acts. So in Luke's Gospel, it was the start of Jesus' ministry. In the book of Acts that we've been in for a while, it continues Jesus' ministry. But we see right in the first chapter, Jesus is ascended into heaven and He tells His followers to go and wait. And He was going to send them a helper, a comforter. He was going to send Him His Holy Spirit. Jesus in the book of Acts, even though He is not physically present, He continues to heal. He continues to pour out His grace and mercy and His love. In the book of Acts, he does this by his Holy Spirit, through his followers. He continues working today through people like you and like me that are filled with his Holy Spirit. Now, God's final chapter has not been completed yet. But you and I are people God is using in the final chapters of human history as we know it. So just in those seven verses, there's so much to unpack. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, just in those two verses is the Holy Trinity. You see the Father. Speaking is Jesus. And you see in the last part of that verse that you be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So you've seen the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity. The word Trinity, nowhere from Genesis to Revelation, is mentioned by that word Trinity. But that does not exclude the fact that there is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father was also the promise of the Son that the Holy Spirit would be sent to the believers. In John 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of Me. There again we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it's the theme of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, but it should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit working through the men and women who received Him, who embraced Him, who believed in Him, who trusted in Him. Just like you and I. That same Holy Spirit 
that was there a couple thousand years ago, is right here in this church within each believer. He said in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, He said, meaning Jesus, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which is talked about in chapters 1 to 7 of Acts, and in all Judea and Samaria, which is talked about in chapters 8 to 12 of Acts, and to the end of the earth, which is talked in chapters 13 to 28 of Acts, taking the gospel to the rest of the world. Now, if we were back there with Jesus when he said this, if we were his followers back then, we might object to the places that Jesus said that the word of God would be spread to. Because Jerusalem, as we know, is where Jesus was executed. There were angry mobs there that crucified Jesus, that tried to hunt down His people. Judea rejected His ministry. Samaria was regarded as a wasteland of impure half-breeds. And then in the uttermost parts of the earth, the Gentiles were seen by the Jews of that day as nothing better than fuel for the fires of hell. But yet all these places are the very places that Jesus said He was going to. This world that you and I live in in 2023 has hope. Because the Holy Spirit of God is still here. He's still within millions and millions, not ten or a hundred or a thousand, but millions of believers. He is making a difference in the lives of individual people collectively, whether it's in an open free country where we can come to hear His Word, or in countries where they would be executed if they were found with a page of a Bible or recite in the Bible. But nothing man attempts to do can keep Jesus down. They've been trying while there were prophecies about Him, trying to kill the Jewish nation people. They tried to kill Him when He was on this earth as a baby. And you might say, well, they caught up to Him when He was 33 years old. Nah. He laid His life down for us. They didn't take it from Him. He gave it to them because He loved, loves you and me so much. God wants a witness sent to all of these places. He wants a witness sent to the college campuses, the high school campuses, the grammar school campuses, from kindergarten right through graduate school. He wants witnesses. Why? Because it's so dark there now. It's so sinful there now. There's so much of anti-God teaching there now. But guess what? 
There are kindergarten kids that are born again. There are teachers and coaches that are born again. There are professors that are filled with God's Holy Spirit. We need to take courage and confidence and hope in the risen Savior who promised us along with the Father that He sent His Holy Spirit to indwell all believers. Not only does the Holy Spirit indwell you and me and every other believer, He empowers you for works of service. The resurrection of Jesus starts the book of Acts. In chapter 2 of Acts, we saw, or you can look at, read anytime, that in verses 1-4, to the followers of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit. His followers were on fire to spread the news everywhere. And these were the same guys and girls who ran and hid when Jesus was arrested and beaten and tried and crucified. But something happened. The Holy Spirit of God came upon them, came within them, and they were never, ever the same again. Just like you. Just like you. Just like me. The book of Acts that we're already in chapter 19 was written to a guy named Theophilus. Sometimes the names in Scripture are phenomenal. Sometimes the names in Scripture are so important because you and I can identify with those names. And Theophilus means lover of God. I believe the book of Acts, besides written to Theophilus, was written to you and to me. Especially if you're a lover of God. And you know what's cool about love? When you love somebody? The more you're around them, the longer the love relationship is, even though it's tested, even though there's trials and errors and downfalls, the love reaches depths that go way beyond the initial love emotion. True love, agape love, unconditional love, doesn't look at the outside, doesn't look what they do or they don't do, just loves that person no matter what they're going through. In John 16, verses 12 to 15, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. Speaking of God, the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. 
When I first received Christ, the Holy Spirit came in me. But I was immature. I still had to grow, just like an infant, like a real human infant has to grow. They don't have their act together when they're a newborn or a baby. And like me as a teenager, you still don't have your act together. It takes time. Sometimes, from a spiritual point of view, your act doesn't get together till you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or 100. But the Holy Spirit of God, sent by Jesus, knows when, where, and how the light bulb will come on. In 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God and woman and boy and girl and teenager may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God. Did you know you're anointed? Did you know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to do things that you're incapable of doing before you came to Jesus Christ? And that He's patient with you even though you've failed? Even though you've sinned? Even though you've turned your back on Him? He's patient. He's long-suffering. He's loving. He, unlike the human race, does not give up on you. He hangs in there with you. Boy, that's the kind of God I need. That's the kind of God I want to serve. The one who does not give up on me. And, and also, He has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Not that we have dominion, and this was skipping a verse, it goes down to 1 Corinthians 2.24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by your faith you stand. And it's very important that all of you understand, Pastor Joe, Pastor Paul, myself, any of the elders, we're in this battle with you. We, we're your fellow workers. We're only up here so you can see and hear is better. God could still work if I climbed under the pew and just laid down and just spoke through the microphone. We're fellow workers with you. We're in this together. We're a team. And our head coach, Jesus, has sent us His Spirit to live in us, to maneuver this crazy, crazy life on this Christ-rejecting planet that's getting darker and darker. Now, we hear in the first verse of chapter 19 
this guy Apollos. And if you were here with us last time, we talked about Apollos. He was an evangelist. He was an apologist. He was a church leader. And he was a friend of the Apostle Paul. He was a Jew from Alexandria, Virginia. He was described in the Scriptures as eloquent, mighty in the Scriptures, fervent in the Spirit, and instructed in the way of the Lord. Now, he, he was in Ephesus, where Paul is now, but when Paul got there, this is Paul's third missionary journey that we're starting to hit in chapter 19. Apollos has already left Ephesus and gone along across the water to Corinth. So he's, a, he's across from where Paul is right now. But he was in Ephesus. And he traveled there. When he was there, he taught in the Scriptures. But Apollos' understanding of the Scriptures was incomplete. He didn't have it all together, spiritually speaking. And if you remember the two older people, do you remember who their names were? Priscilla and Aquila. They were the older people. And they remember, they took Apollos aside and said, Apollos, we've got to talk. It was pretty good what you said, but you need to get the complete picture. And they told him about the, res the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And they gave him the complete story. So when Apollos left Ephesus, he went across to Corinth and he had the gospel in its completion. But leaving behind, there were disciples of Apollos. And I believe we're going to see 12 of them either tonight or the next time we meet. You see, Apollos was only acquainted with the baptism of John. And that baptism of John just taught about a repentance of faith. They were sorry for their sins. They were guilty for their sins. They wanted to turn from their lifestyle. But they did not know the full magnitude of Jesus' death and His resurrection like you and I do. They didn't know that. They had to be taught that. Apollos traveled a lot of different areas, but like I just said in Acts 19.1, we see he comes into Corinth where he watered what Paul had sown. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 3.6. You know, some of you, many of you, have planted seeds in other individual people. Some of you have come along and watered those seeds and you didn't even know who planted them. And the person who planted them didn't know when or where someone was going to come along and watered them. But the great thing is that God causes the growth of the seeds planted and the seeds watered. And when you get to see that, sometimes you get to see the growth or a person coming into their own in Christ. This is very important to understand when you study the first epistle to the Corinthians. Apollos had natural gifts 
And he had attracted a following among the people. But as we talked last time, that simple adoration or admiration grew into divisiveness and division. Against Apollo's wishes, there was a faction in Corinth that claimed him as their spiritual mentor. Leaving out Paul and Peter's influence in their teaching. Paul deals with this partisanship in 1 Corinthians 1, 12-13, where he says, Christ is not divided, and neither should you and I be. We cannot love a personality over the truth of who Jesus is and what His Word teaches. So as we look at that first verse in Acts 19, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And it happened. Nothing in God's creation just happens. Doesn't matter if you're going to Syracuse, Susquehanna, Georgia Tech. Doesn't matter where you're going. He knows ahead of time where you're going to be. He knows the good and the bad and the ugly that will happen in all of our lives. Paul, when he came here, he found some disciples. And he said to them, he noticed something about them. There was something in just meeting them, in something of their conversation, or the way they were acting, or the way, just how they were. I believe it was God's Holy Spirit in Paul that he had discernment that he could tell. So he recognized that someone was missing in these disciples' lives. Are you missing someone? Are you missing something right now at this point of your lives? Paul went right on to the main issues. It was a heart issue. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? So they said to him in the verse that we see here as it continues, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. I can give you evidence of the Holy Spirit right here from Genesis to Revelation. I already gave you a lot of evidence in the last 25 minutes of just how the Holy Spirit was working throughout the New Testament. I can look right out here right now and see evidence of the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit wasn't in your lives or drawing you to this place, you wouldn't be here. Or if you're listening on the internet. Pastor Joe, in our conversation last night, said the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood parts of the Trinity. 
So Paul in verse 3 says, Into what then were you baptized? He's asking that question then. What were you baptized in? What were you baptized into? Paul, like any person who cares, wanted to see what they knew. Did they understand anything that was taking place in their lives since they heard or since they were baptized by John? Since they heard the teachings by an Apollos? In verse 4 it says, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on Him who would come after Him. And he didn't just stop there. There's a comma in your Scriptures. He told them who to look for. He told them who was coming after Him. He says that is on Christ Jesus. Christ, Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus. That spoke of the whole Old Testament, everybody. When they heard the word Messiah, Christ, the Anointed One that was prophesied for the past three or 4,000 years. So here's John, one in the wilderness that was preparing the way for the Messiah. He's now saying that is on Christ Jesus. These 12 disciples, as, as you continue to read down a little bit, it says there were 12 of them in verse 7. Now the men were about 12 in all. These 12 disciples might have been believers in God, but not necessarily in Christ Jesus, the Messiah. You see, there's a lot of people in churches throughout the world that believe in God, but not Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, woman, boy, girl, teenager comes to the Father except through me. You see, the name of Jesus is very important to hear when people are talking about God. Because there's so many conceptions of who God is. There are many churches that the Jesus that they preach is not the Jesus of the Bible. Did you know that? It's a totally different Jesus. The Jesus they teach doesn't line up with the Scriptures. That's why it's important that regardless of your age, you need to know God's Word. So when somebody's trying to fake you out with a different spirit that's not the Holy Spirit, you can catch it. You can see it. You can feel it. You know it without a shadow of the doubt. You see, these 12 disciples identified with John the Baptist. They didn't really know or believe in the resurrected Jesus. They did not believe or know about the Holy Spirit and His power. They took the first step. They repented of their sin, but they did not take the next step, which is faith in Christ Jesus. 
I remember when I was in college, in 1873, I mean 1973, and I remember on that college floor, meeting for the first time some born-again believers. I came from a Roman Catholic background. I believed in God. I knew that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. I believed that. But I didn't have a personal relationship. And I went by one dorm room and there was a fellow named Jimmy. And I said, Jimmy, what are you doing? It was a Saturday. He goes, I'm studying. I said, oh, you got a lot of homework to do for Monday or next week? He goes, no, I'm just doing a Bible study. I go, Jimmy, what is that? And he got up and he came over and we spent about a half hour or more, I really don't know the time that we spent, but he started sharing me the gospel of Jesus Christ. He started bringing in some of the uh, chapters of Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth, with prophecies and, and things that were going to happen possibly in my lifetime. And I was blown away. He said that one day a 200 million man army was going to invade Israel. That blew my mind. The only army I remember is playing with soldiers four or five years earlier, or my dad who was in the army, who was an officer in the army. And when I went home at, I guess it was Christmas, they said, Dad, can any nation put together a 200 million man army? And he said, well, the only one right now that could probably do that is China. So God was giving me little bits and pieces to go in this teenage mind and heart. Then I went back to school after vacation and they had a big magic show on campus. And it was big tricks, you know, and, I, and when I was uh, in junior college, there was a kid on my baseball team that introduces the card tricks and sleight of hand and stuff like that. And I got so into it that I was in like an 0 for 10 slump because I was still trying to figure out my magic tricks and I wasn't paying attention to the baseball that was coming in, but that's another story. So anyway, when I go back to campus, here's uh, this guy doing magic. So I want to go see him. Big stage at the auditorium. Good crowd. So he starts doing tricks, but guess what he does? He starts tying in the magic tricks to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm being seeing this for the first time. Only time I heard the gospel before that was after Bonanza, and sometimes Billy Graham would come on on Sunday nights. But I never put it all together yet. But God was getting my attention. I was played baseball down at my college, which was Furman University in South Carolina, and we had a baseball game. We're playing the University of South Carolina, and the coach of the other team is Bobby Richardson. Some of you might remember Bobby Richardson was the second baseman for the New York Yankees. He played with Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Yogi Berra. So here was a guy my dad took us to see when I was a preteen and teenager. Here he's coaching the other team. 
And it's a weekend series on our campus. And Saturday night, Bobby Richardson is going to speak in one of our lounges. So I said, I don't care how much homework I have. I don't care how, much, how tired I am. I'm going to go hear Bobby Richardson. Bobby was, I was sitting right about where Brad was, and Bobby Richardson's probably right down where the first step is. And I'm just mesmerized by this guy. And what Bobby does, he doesn't say much about himself. He talks about Jesus Christ. Why He came. Why He came to die for sinners. That He rose from the dead. That He ascended into heaven. And that He's going to come again. What I, wanna, what I am sharing these, my experiences, I didn't think of that till Pastor Joe and I talked last night. about the experiences you and I have with the Holy Spirit, maybe not even realizing it at the time, but I think as we get older and look back, we see God's faithfulness through it all. Even the tough times. Even the most difficult times. So we see here that the dirty dozen, these guys knew they needed to repent, and they were waiting for the Messiah. John's baptist was, uh, baptism was crucial. His ministry was crucial. It was one of preparation for people to receive Christ, who was six months younger than John. And he was coming onto the scene. He was preparing the way. In Mark 1, verse 2, it says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. People showed a change of heart by an outward cleansing. They were baptized in the Jordan River. They wanted to show that they wanted to repent. They hadn't heard the whole gospel message. But Paul, here in the book of Acts chapter 19, fills them in on Jesus' death and resurrection, which are the essential elements of the gospel. There is no good news without Jesus Christ dying for your sins, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, sending you His Holy Spirit. There's no good news without all those essentials being said and taught. And Paul told them to believe. Once the men, these 12 disciples, receive Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit has promised, filled them with His presence. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, once the men receive Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit, true to form, filled them with His presence. They became new creations, as talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. In verse 5, it says of Acts 19, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, they embraced Jesus fully. Yes, they were sorry for their sins. They didn't want to 
do their sinful lifestyle anymore, but now they realize that the Messiah had come. The Anointed One had come and died for them. Resurrected for them. Sent the Holy Spirit for them. And in verse 6, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about Twelve in all. We can go in as a separate type of thing. I don't want to go into it right now about the speaking in the tongues or the laying on of hands. But it's really the only time you see it again in the book of Acts. You don't see that again, the laying on of hands. I don't think you see it again in the rest of the Scripture in the New Testament. But these guys believed in Jesus. They didn't believe in anyone else. They were baptized now in the name of Jesus Christ, not to John the Baptist's baptism. And like we saw last time, not Apollos or Cephas. They were baptized in the name, when we baptize people, we baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Pastor Joe or Pastor Paul and myself, we are the physical people God has chosen to put those people in the element of that water. But they are submitting themselves. They're dying to Christ. It's an, outward, it's, an inward, it's an outward sign of what they already did inwardly when they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're dying to their old self. They're rising to new life in Jesus Christ. Awesome. It's tremendous. It's life-changing. It was a free will and act on their part. That's why it is so important. I know for me, as an infant I was baptized. But I had no part in that. I had no free will in that. But later on in life, I had a choice when it was presented to me. Yes, I wanted to get baptized. I wanted to show the world that I died to myself. I turned from my lifestyle. And I want to follow Christ. I'm buried with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me, the resurrected Christ, who's given me His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to close on this in the next five minutes. The Holy Spirit came upon them, it says. And that word is epi. E-P-I. It means upon, on, over having charge of. It denotes distribution. The Holy Spirit came upon them. In 2 Corinthians 1.22, it says, Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. In our hearts. In. The word is in the Greek, Pastor Joe, is it? E-N. N. Which means in, with, through, inside. It denotes, I love this part, it denotes a fixed position. He's fixed. How many times in our walk with Christ, whether you're chronologically young, middle age, or older, Have you thought, I think 
I don't think God's with me anymore. Have you thought that? I think so. I think we all have. He's fixed. His promise is He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It's not based on your feelings. It's based on His promise. It's based on Jesus Christ, His promise. Isn't that awesome? It's based on the Father's promise. The Holy Spirit will never leave you or forsake you. And then in John 16, 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking again. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, Comforter, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. The Helper, the Comforter. The other name, the Greek name again is para, P-A-R-A. Meaning call to one's side. Call to one's aid. Leads us, he leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us to a deeper knowledge of biblical truths. Let me say that again. He leads us to a deeper knowledge of biblical truths. He's doing that right now. To you and to me. Remember, we're all in this together. We are all learners. And our God is our teacher. He gives us divine help. We need divine help. Which is supernatural help to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of Jesus. I'm going to close with this scripture. And I'll probably open it up with it the next time I get an opportunity to teach if the Lord tarries. If the Lord hasn't come for us yet. If, we ha- if we're not caught up in the clouds, in the air yet. Or if I just don't go, go to sleep and wake up in the presence of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank You for who You are. Thank You, dear Jesus, for leaving Your throne room on high and coming down to this earth. Thank You for dying for our sins. Thank You for rising from the dead. Thank You for ascending into heaven and sending us the promise of Your Holy Spirit. But I think right now of anybody here. I think of anybody now that is at home or listening in their car who have yet to make that eternal life decision to come to You to ask You to forgive them their sins, to come into their heart, to be their Lord and Savior, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that is You on the internet or here tonight, I'm going to say a prayer. 
Because if God's knocking at your heart, you need to just let Him in. So if that is you, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, but I also know, Jesus, that You came to this earth to die for me. You shed Your blood to wipe away my sins. Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I've done wrong. But I want to turn right now and follow You all the days of my life. Fill me with Your precious Holy Spirit. Seal me. Come upon me. Come beside me. Just come, dear Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. If you said that, welcome to the family of God. And like Pastor Joe said last night, I love this. Whether He's upon you, in you, alongside you, as long as you've got the Holy Spirit in your presence, that's all we need. Amen? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.